0: You're listening to the Kenny James Audio Experience, live from Broadcast Center. Here's Kenny James. Hey, I just wanted to tune in before the show starts to let you know that I've launched BetterMoneyGoals.com. It's a personal finance website that provides great tips and tricks on how to maximize your money. Because the truth is, you only live once. Why not live well? Now, let's get this show started. Let's get motivated.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please?
0: This is the Kenny James Show. Direct and in full effect. Visit KennyJToday.com. Hey, Hey yo, guys. I'm going to welcome you to another Kenny James Show. And before we get started, I want to make sure that you guys are all registered to vote. You have no idea how important this election season is. It is something that has always been near and dear to my heart. I used to go to the polls with my grandmother when I was a young child. I'm going to include a link in the description of this podcast in case you need some assistance. Just know our lives depend on it. So without further ado, take a listen. Shashonda Brown Duckett, better known as T, is far from your average CEO. Born in Rochester, New York and raised by her devoted parents, Rosie and Otis Brown, she developed a spark that would later set the world of finance on fire. Tashonda received her Bachelor's of Finance in Marketing from the University of Houston and later earned her MBA from the prestigious Baylor University. In such a short period of time, she has built a career in finance spanning from her Director of Emerging Markets role at Fannie Mae leading into her CEO role of Otto at JPMorgan Chase. Tashonda has championed diversity and inclusion and is the executive sponsor of Chase's Advancing Black Pathways program, aimed at helping Black Americans close the historical achievement gaps in wealth creation, education, and career advancement. In her current role, she is the most powerful woman of color in finance, managing over 5,200 retail locations 18,000 ATMs, 50,000-plus employees, and overseeing $810 billion in deposits, including Chase private client on the investment side. Please help me welcome, with my greatest welcome, the CEO of Consumer Banking at JPMorgan Chase, Ms. Chasanda Brown-Duckett. Welcome to the show, Chasanda. Thank
1: you. What a great... A pleasure to be here.
0: Are you in Greenwich?
1: I am in Connecticut.
0: Is it pretty good weather?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know what I always say? You have to love where you are. (laughs) (laughs) And what's great is that you get all the seasons. And so right now the trees are turning and it's really pretty to see the leaves turn. So it's a nice crisp day today. (laughs) But it's what I would expect fall and you're in Connecticut. So it's, it's nice.
0: Tell me a little bit about the path from Where you started, as you heard in my intro, it said from Rochester to the boardroom. If you could kind of elaborate on that, I'd appreciate it.
1: I love that. Well, I would first say that the path from Rochester to the boardroom, like, Most people, it's not always a linear, just easy, straightforward path. But when I think about what were some of the key moments in my life, you know, it has to start with my parents. My father would always tell me to shoot for the moves. And as you can imagine, being a a young girl, having your father say that, I didn't really quite understand where where exactly would the moon be or where would exactly landing among the stars lead me to. But I think it just really planted a seed that I can do anything. Mm-hmm. And clearly, you know, I am anchored on the path and, and the saying that I am on you know, I stand on the shoulders of giants. I am my ancestor's wildest dreams. But my parents started that path and we moved from Rochester to Texas when I was in the fifth grade. And I think what What's important about that is that back in the day and clearly in the role that my, my dad was in, it was not a relocation package. That really meant, you know, my parents and my two brothers and I loaded up in a car with everything that we owned and we drove from New Jersey to Texas. And so I started my life sitting on crates. So I know what it's like to start with nothing that stuck with me when i think about the sacrifices that my parents have made along the way when i think about my disruptor i mean i played sports in high school i was active in school had you know different you know leadership roles but inroads which is a program for minorities was my disruptor and I like to tell people without a program like Inroads, I may not be on the amazing Kenny James show. <laughs> and that really got me exposed to corporate America. And I think what's important about this story, Kenny, is that for Inroads you interview for jobs. And there was a woman by the name of Valerie Manning who worked at Fannie Mae. And it, she was interviewing all of us on the slate for one internship. When she left and went back to Fannie Mae, she said, I found the young woman and her name is Sarah. She said, but there's this other girl. And the reason why I think that's so important is Valerie was a recruiter. She was not the senior executive, but she advocated for me when I didn't even fully understand what it meant for someone to advocate for you. And as a young 19, 20 year old, it resonated. And had Valerie Manning just checked the box and said, I found the one that you asked me for, I would not have started my career at Fannie Mae. So I do think about, you know, the unsung heroes in my life that really helped to charter my path. And and Valerie Manning is one of them. Fannie Mae then created that second internship box that really, you know, led me on my way in corporate America.
0: You know, Carla Harris uh, has her book and I love how she says you need to build relationship currency, right? And I've used some of that in, in my career field when I was working. I think there's a lot of times where people kind of get in situations and they're not too sure whether or not they should go for something or whether or not they should do it just based off of feeling like they're not worthy enough, you know? And yeah. that's a big thing. Whatever you're speaking or whatever you're out doing, whether it's moderation or you're just being on a panel, you bring your true self to that stage, into the forefront, into your position, and that's one thing that I really admire so much about you. So-
1: no, I really appreciate it, and I think you know the reason why I anchored our conversation on you know the the, the path from Rochester to the boardroom is because way back then, which are nine years ago, those few moments in my life really helped me to chart my path, mm-hmm. and it's so important because as you start to you know have those moments where you may not think you are enough, or you know you're not sure who's at- Advocating for you. What it does for me, Kenny, is a few things. One, it keeps me humble. Mm -hmm. Two, it allows me to see people that so many others may count them out or see them as not seeable because they don't have the title, which is why I always say I rent my title. I own my character because Valerie Manning was not a senior executive. Otis and Rosie Brown were not senior executives, but they were the ones who really made an impact and charted my course to the boardroom. I would also say that when you talk about relationship currency, I, I totally agree with that. And I also think it's about being your unapologetic, authentic self because I just met Valerie. I was just interviewing with her. I did not know her. I was 19. <laughs> I didn't know what I said or what I did, but I was Tashonda. And I think That me is your best shot at ascending and moving in your ranks or accomplishing your goals is being your unapologetic, authentic self. And then just continuing to refine and hone who you are, because I don't know how to be anyone else better than I know how to be me. And me is enough. That's what I had to learn along the way. And then you realize that when people know who you are and it's consistent and you are resonating with people, you can compel people to advocate for you. Even if you don't have that relationship, they know who you are. They know what you represent. You've built up a brand or something that you said compels them to say, let me tell you about. And I think that's. Such an important point for so many people.
0: As we're sitting here, we're speaking about, you know, diversity especially when you said that she went back and said, hey, I know a girl named Sarah, but there's also someone else. So how important is diversity inclusion, not only in the workplace, but also in our personal lives, too?
1: I'm sure you can relate to this. And I would just say diversity is also about intellectual curiosity. You know, if you are, a curious human, if you have this level of curiosity, which is a trait that we look for in leadership, you are going to ask what's not in the room. You are going to ask what about. I want my children to have friends of different backgrounds, different experiences, different talents. I pride myself in my children being able to engage with people that have different interests because I never know where their spark is going to come from. I never know where that next idea or thought will be planted in their brains and in their minds and in their outlook of life. And so the more that they can see the world, the more that they can ebb and flow in different environments, the more that they can understand that everyone has a level of worth. And in business, I would never go into a meeting where I have to make an important decision and only have one person in the room with one prism. Mm. When I am making decisions, I want to make sure I have product in the room, marketing, legal, audit, compliance, when we are really tackling some of life's toughest or business problems. And that is diversity. It makes me smarter. And so when I think about the diversity of gender and race, we have to understand that so much of our outlook in this country is anchored on your race or your gender or your ethnicity in terms of how you move and how you're seen. And so to be able to have that headset with people that have a different prism of how they had to move in life gives me a different perspective. And I say this a lot, that I fundamentally believe that talent is created equally, opportunity is not. Mm -hmm. And that opportunity that's not being created is due to a lack of diversity when you are not curious enough to say, why are there not any women? applying for these roles or why are we not hiring X Y or Z why is everyone internal and we haven't hired someone external or external you know and haven't hired someone internal it's asking the art of the question mm-hmm. why not and if we do that I think we will understand that when we unlock the art of possibility fundamentally believing that talent is created equally and you're going to ask different questions you're going to make sure that your team is not looking at the pond that's proximate to them because that's going to be like hire's they're going to say, you know what, I need to get uncomfortable. I need to go get up and, and cultivate relationships in different ecosystems, different industries, because I fundamentally believe that there's a lot of talent that I am not seeing because yeah. every every person that I'm hiring seems to be monolithic.
0: And there's one thing that really makes me want to gnash my teeth to powder. I used to hear this all the time, and I'm still hearing this sentiment that there's just not enough people who are in that pool for us to pull from, right? But I wanted to say as CEO, how do you motivate and lead with purpose in that sense when when you know that this is something that needs to be done?
1: First of all, I am consistent with that fundamental belief that talent is created equally, opportunity is not. And so if someone posed that question to me, I would ask, as evidenced by what, what did you do? Because you're putting the onus on the fact that the company did not have applicants apply. The root question is, why are people not applying that are female or black or, or Latinx? And the root cause of the question would be, if you are not seeing the flow, where are you going? Where are you looking? What is the accountability that you have on your headhunter or on your sorcerers? I would ask the question, tell me the drivers. Mm-hmm. The drivers help you get to the outcome. What are the things you are doing? Because what you may find is that you're not engaging with Nishimba or the black NBA. You do not have a relationship with ELC. You are not showing up in the business resource groups in your company that may be women led or GLBTQ led. So you are not doing the work to get proximate to even be able to see the talent. And if I fundamentally believe that talent is created equally, but opportunity is not, then I have to hold us accountable to saying, Tell me the work. Show me the work we're doing. And many times we're not asking that question. And in business, We never, ever would leave a meeting being okay with saying something is just hard. You would never, ever leave a meeting saying, well, you know, where we live. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. It just means you may have to do more work. But it does not mean that the talent does not exist. What I strive to do just as a leader is I try to hold people accountable in the same way that we hold people accountable for any other business outcome that aligns to our culture and our values and how we deliver. And I think if we take the excuses off the table and understand leadership is hard, running businesses are hard, but that's not where the story ends. And so if you are not having success, then it's not the people. It may be the way in which you are going about finding the talent because it is out there.
0: I'm going to let you tell this story. When you became CEO of Auto, what was the first thing that you did?
1: When I first became CEO of Auto, uh, one of the things that I did within the first short time of my tenure is I went to the mailroom. And I went to the mailroom because I wanted to talk to my employees that would be furthest removed from the client experience. And I wanted them to understand that they matter. And I wanted to make sure that they understood the strategy and they understood the role that they play. And so when you go to the mailroom, as you can imagine, that's typically not a place that many CEOs would start to go visit. And when I went there, I told them, thank you. And they kind of looked at me and I said, thank you. I said, when you see the improvement that we're making with client experience, I want you to brush your shoulders off. Because you had a role to play. And the role that you play is when someone makes a payment, you start the process. And you do your job with excellence. So when they pay their auto bill, you make sure it goes to the right auto shoot so it can process on time. And if you did not do your job with excellence, it could go to a different shoot. It ends up being delayed. We don't see it on the system. We now have a very upset client. And it could really cost us the relationship. So because you do your job with excellence, when you see me talk about the progress we're making, when you see us talking about the results we are delivering, know that you have a role and that I appreciate it and I see you. And, and Kenny, they said, you welcome. You know we got you. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it really was a play to just make sure that as a leader, everybody plays a role. Mm-hmm. Everyone. And as a leader, I want everyone to understand that they matter and that the role that they play in doing their job with excellence allows us to be able to deliver the outsized results that we deliver. It allows us to meet the needs and exceed the needs of our clients. And I just think that's important when you are a leader and when you are leading a large organization, everyone has to understand that you see them and that you value their work.
0: Yeah. And the reason I wanted you to tell that story is because for me, I remember when I was working at Verizon Wireless and I had just started, I was super young, I was in their customer service division. And I remember when uh, the CEO came and he had a group meeting with a, a very small portion of us. I think it was those of us who were like really excelling. And I remember I asked him a question. I said, what does Verizon value? And he said to me, he goes, we value a clean window. Now, I said a clean window, and then he went on to explain, the clean window is the first interaction that our customers have with us before they enter our store. The point that I'm making is when you have people of leadership who can come and sit down and or even have a, a brief conversation with you, it allows the individuals to see that not only that this person cares, but it allows you to see that I can be more. And so that's why I really wanted you to tell that story because oftentimes be a driving force for many people.
1: Absolutely. And, and what I love about what you're raising, Kenny, it goes back to my roots. My dad was a blue collar worker. He did not go to college. He worked in warehouses and drove trucks. And I see him. And so how can I be now a CEO and not see my father and not understand their work? And so I, I think it also goes back to who you are and what you value and the art of possibility, because it was a man named Otis Brown that told me to reach for the moon. And so to your point. If I can go into a, a situation, into a meeting or into a room of people of all backgrounds and levels at work and tell them that they, too, can reach for the moon, I'm paying it forward to what my father did as a blue-collar worker working in a warehouse and driving trucks. He told his daughter to reach for for the moon, and here I am now a CEO.
0: Sitting on the moon. We, we didn't just reach for it. You're sitting on it.
1: Kenny, <laughs> we have more moons to reach for, right? Absolutely. You know, I'm trying to impact the so we'll, we'll just say we're still shooting, Kenny, I'm still shooting
0: for it. Absolutely. And you know, one thing that I'm so passionate about, I used to lead health and wellness in, in a previous position of mine, and I'm passionate about getting people to see that finance is extremely important, right? It has a lot to do with so many different aspects in your life, physical, emotional. And so you're okay. also a passionate advocate for financial health. We know that 46% of Americans would struggle to cover an unexpected $400 expense, and it's especially living in what we're in right now, which is a pandemic, so many people have lost their jobs and so many people are struggling. How can people build a better relationship with their money to be able to further advance the the cause of being more financially solvent or healthy? What would you say?
1: Like You're right. I mean, the stats are alarming. And clearly in a pandemic, it's on the minds of everyone. But even prior to the pandemic, the stats were alarming as you outlined. So there's a couple of things that I would say. I would first want to make sure that everyone understands that their net worth does not define their self-worth. So many times when we don't have this great relationship with money and we're struggling, it impacts our confidence. It impacts how we see ourselves. And we have to... Separate those two things. I would also say, in terms of what to do, and there's a couple of things that I would highlight and point out. One, especially in a moment where there's a lot of uncertainty. And it's on the minds of everyone. It's not what you make, it's what you keep. Keep a record to literally write down or go on your mobile app and look at all of your expenses, what you were paying things towards so that you can really look at your adjustments. And the reason why I think it's so important to literally write it down, Kenny, or look at it if you have an app is because sometimes we'll say, I don't have anything after I pay my rent and after I do this, but then you realize I get my nails done, (laughs) you know, every week. Yeah. Or I get my hair done every month. And that's important. But what you might be able to do is to say, I'm going to skip a week because a little new growth never hurt anybody.
0: <laughs> Ain't that the truth?
1: So that that's important. So you write down your expenses and it just gives you the facts because, you know, a, a grande latte adds up. right? So once you do that, the thing that I would encourage everyone to do is to ask a fundamental question and answer it. Ask yourself, what are you saving for? That just means what are your hopes and your dreams? Because money is in service to your hopes and your dreams or lowering your fears. And once you understand that, I'm saving to be able to get a new car, or I'm saving to be able to take my kids to karate lessons, or I'm saving to be able to have that rainy day fun, Uh, most of the time when you're dreaming, it puts a smile on your face because you don't want to lose sight of your mission so that when you then say, I am going to skip a week to get my nails done or I'm not going to get a venti coffee, I'm going to go to the gas station and get a regular coffee. Mm -hmm. It may not taste as great, but that's three more dollars towards my real dream. And I think you have to operate with intentionality when you are really trying to get out of the situation. The next thing I would say, Kenny, is to understand we know how to keep it one hundred. We know how to keep mm-hmm. it real. We have to know how to keep it seven hundred.
0: Is what we say. Yeah, about we know how to score. keep
1: it real. We know how to keep it one hundred, but we have to know how to keep it seven hundred plus. Yes, and and that just means you know going and knowing where you stand, and you can go to at it's it, it, it's free, and you understand where you are. And then you understand what are the basic things that I can do to improve my credit score. And the reason why that is so important is that when you look at your credit score, the lower your credit score, the more money you pay. And so by making a few adjustments, you would be able to keep more money in your pocket, whether that's the cost of your car, your insurance, your home, et cetera. And then lastly, when you are feeling, when you do everything that you can and you see that you're falling, you may fall behind, before you start to fall behind, be proactive and call your lender and explain your situation. And the reason why I made the point, Kenny, of your mindset at the very beginning is because when your financial situation has impacted your confidence in your self-worth, that phone is really heavy Mm -hmm. because you feel like you are calling someone, telling them that you failed. Mm -hmm. When you have to take a record of your expenses, when you already know your money situation is not great, if it has impacted your confidence, you don't even want to look at your account. And that is why I think we have to separate self-worth and net worth so that you can have the confidence and the courage to know that you are more than your current situation financially. And now you're taking control. And that is what's going to have you do the work.
0: And, you know, oftentimes people don't even really want to open their mail because they're like, you know what? I know what it is. I don't don't even want to go there, right? That's what's happening a lot.
1: Because it's another fail point, right? Why would I, you know, open the mail to make me feel bad? Mm -hmm. I can't do anything about it. And, And then the situation just continues to get worse. And that's why... I want people to know that wherever you are is where you are. But we have to get back to what are your hopes and your dreams? What's causing you your stress? And then how do we start to do the work? I do think, Kenny, we can't talk about, you know, financial health without also just making sure that everyone also understands the power of a word called compounding. (laughs) Mm. And that is a word that I hope everyone, you know, writes down and gets familiar with. Speak on it. And yeah, I'm going to speak on it. So the power of compounding, that just means that a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow because you have time. And when you have time, you can compound whatever that interest is. And over time, that dollar turns into $10, turns into 50 turns into $100. And the reason why I think it's So important is that so many times we will say right now, I can't put that dollar away. But when I get to that next job or 10 years from now, when my kids are out of school, I'll start. That means you lost 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so say to everyone, as we think about the power of saving for that rainy day fund and building up your cushion to support your goals, you also want to make sure you understand the power of compounding and investing. And the most important thing that I want people to to know on this topic is that it is absolutely okay to start small, to start smart, which means do the work, but start now. You can put away just a dollar a day in your savings account, auto-save rule. Just put a dollar a day. And then when I get to this goal, I'm going to invest and I'm going to learn about the power of compounding. Because while I am working to pay off my bills, while I am saving for my rainy day fund, I also want to make sure I put a dollar or $10 or whatever I can away so that as I think about my life over time, I will be in service to my hopes and my goals and my fears because I'm doing the work today. And it might be small. But I started now. You can't wait. Once I get $1,000, well, that $1,000 can come over the course of two years with just a dollar a day. Yeah. You know, over the course of 365 days two. you know, that's $365 or close to 400 Sometimes you top it off, you know, and before you know it in two years, two and a half years, three years, you have that 1000 And instead of waiting, you can start now and be in service or two years from now, you'll still say, I'm trying to get to that thousand. And you would have been on your way. And that's why I think it's important to understand. Start small, but start with intentionality, which is why your hopes and your dreams, your vision board is so important because that'll keep you on the right track. Even if it's 50 cents towards that goal, it's 50 cents more than you had yesterday towards something that you said really matters to
0: you. Actually, a lot of financial institutions offer yes. uh, automatic transfer. I used to have a, a bank, it was a credit union that did, they called keep the change. And so they would round up to the nearest whole dollar and that amount would go into a savings account. There are ways in which it can be done. And um, I, you know, I hope that people really are listening and, and start to really start taking more control over that
1: exactly right. I mean, have the ability for customers to name their goal. What are you saving for? They can name the goal and they can say, put a dollar a day or a dollar a week or $10, whatever it is, in service to that goal. You know, so there's so many tools out there to be in service to your goals, your hopes and your dreams. But you have to get started
0: now to some people who would say to shonda how do i i know that you're saying i need to get started and i need to level up being proactive with finances during such an economic uncertainty for the people who are like look i'm trying my best and even a dollar a day that's thirty dollars a month that's gonna be pretty difficult for me to to possibly do because i need every penny right What would you say to those people? Yeah,
1: I would say, you know, clearly there are times where some people may be in this moment that they took the time, they did their vision board. They looked at all their expenses. The money is not adding up. Mm -hmm. That's when I would say when you look at where you may have some opportunities, call your lenders, press to them. The situation. I would still look at where can you make improvements around the edges. I know it's a tough economy in certain sectors, but there are other sectors that may be hiring that you can do. It may be different from your your resume and your credentials, but I would also say, you know what? Maybe I need to find that second job or I need to find that side, you know, hustle where there's something that I'm really great at that I'm going to work to monetize so that I can earn some extra money. You know that that second job or your passion to monetize and so I I think you have to put everything on the table I'm not telling people what I think I'm expressing moments of my life that I've lived Mm -hmm. you know I I try to share with people because sometimes like well you know you're doing well you're the CEO you can say this but I'm like my dad would say people see your glory they don't know your story (laughs) you know (laughs) it's like I know what it is when your parents you know you open up your refrigerator and you're sitting here going mom and dad how are we going to eat I know what it's like I've experienced times when your lights were off I've experienced all of that growing up as a child. I've seen the sacrifices firsthand. And so when I share these tips, I'm like, look, first, keep your confidence in check. Two, you've got to look at everything you have. you got to put it on paper. And and that may mean when we go grocery shopping, you know, we may have to go old school, Kenny. We may have to go all the way back. <laughs> you know, red beans and rice is under a dollar and hey. it can feed a family. Okay. Hey. You know what I mean? Like sometimes you have to take it back to the, the, you know, this is how I can make adjustments in my budget where my kids will be fed, but it may not be the, the grocery bill has to adjust. And so I'm going back to some rice and beans. I'm going back to some cornbread. Mm-hmm. I'm going to some water. We're going to get some lemon make it really pretty, you know, you're going to stretch it out, you know, and therefore I'm going to save that $10. I'm going to save that $20 and put it towards my rainy day fund. And, or I'm going to activate my passion. You know, something people tell me that they love, I always do. I'm going to then say, well, you know what? I love it. And it's $5. It's $10. I'm going to try to monetize that second, that second hustle. My point is don't get stuck. I don't have all the answers for everyone's situation because it's such an individual situation. Mm -hmm. Keep your confidence and don't get stuck because when you get stuck, you won't do the work.
0: That is so true.
1: Right. And it's hard. It's real talk. And people are dealing with your children want more. They're at home. They, they want electronic. You don't want to tell your kids no. You, you're trying to figure out tutoring because you realize your child is struggling in the Zoom life. I mean, there's real heavy pressures that so many people are experiencing, which is why I think you have to get back to looking at everything and seeing where can you make those adjustments. You may have to move from a three bedroom to a two bedroom. You know, you may have to do some of That, like I say, we have to take it back sometimes, you know, and say, you know what, for years my kids were able to have their own room, but there's new expenses that I think is important to their real vision. And so I'm going to have my my two sons double up, you know, whatever that is. Sometimes we have to make those sacrifices to be in service to our vision and our real goals that are most important. That's just real talk. Yeah. And it's hard, though. It really is hard.
0: hard. The good thing about it is it can we can make it happen, right? With a, a little yes, adjustment. That's the
1: point. You can do it. You can do right? it. That's it, that empowerment. Like, oh, it's rough and tough, but let's just get to work. Let's do it. This too shall pass.
0: Absolutely. This
1: too shall pass. Just hold on.
0: Uh, I'm going to ask you to tell this story uh, about you know having a, a driver come and pick you up from your home. But I was having a conversation with a friend, and he was saying that yeah, you know, Kenny, now that I'm growing and I'm, I'm, I'm more successful now, my business is is really thriving. He was like, people are looking at me differently, not the way that I thought that they would. They're looking at me in the sense of like, well, how did you get that? That he just bought a new a new watch. I think it was like a Rolex or whatever. And someone was like, oh, well, what are you doing? Right? Like, or where did you get that from? Like, as if he could not be the one to actually go out and purchase that. Tell people about the story about the driver that came to pick you up from your home.
1: <laughs> you do your work, Kenny. Uh, hey, <laughs> and I it at work. So I needed to go back into the city. So I called a service and I was in my high power suit because I had a performance review so I wanted to really make sure that I had my confidence in check. So I had my my power suit on, Kenny. I had my nice shoes, I had a nice bag, and then right after the meeting I was going to head back to to be back with my family in Texas so I was going to fly out so I had my nice luggage. It was great. The driver comes and I you know, have my luggage. So put the luggage in the car. I, I lock my door. I walk to the car with my luggage and we're driving out of the driveway and he looked at me and he says, so you work for this family. He couldn't see me. He could not see this black woman, even though I'm in a suit, even though I lock my door, even though I have luggage. He had to ask the question. And then when I was like, no, this is my home, he then was debating which train station I was going to. Like he, he saw me the way he wanted to see me. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I think it's so important is when we tell our kids like hoodie or not hoodie and, and Silicon Valley ho- wearing hoodies is, the way of life it means you're you're smart or you're in, in technology but if four black guys who were you know wore their hoodies in the office and they happened to all walk together people would, would not think technologists mm-hmm. and so my whole point to this story and when I shared it it was because here we are we try to tell our kids we say you know don't wear this or do this and all that you know I get but at the end of the day There's a lot of people just see you how they want to see you. And even as a CEO, even as a black woman who, you know, was looking fly, looking professional, (laughs) he still had to question, could I literally be the person that owned this home? Mm -hmm. And that is the reality that we live in in terms of too many people still seeing us the way they want to see us. But the way I think about it, that's not mine for me to own, because I know who I am. And I know that I'm a boss, not by title, a boss with my ownable assets. And so you can see me how you want to see me, but you're just going to have to watch me work because my magic is real.
0: Snap fingers. (laughs) (laughs) And the the reason I wanted you to tell that story and I bring that up is because oftentimes there are a lot of people who struggle with, adversity. And I wanted to really kind of touch on that. And how have you gotten yourself through adversity? How do you lead through adversity? And what are some principles you live by?
1: You know, we all learn as we grow and as we get older. I fundamentally believe that I would not be where I am today if I wasn't able to lead with purpose and passion. I am anchored on why I am in all of these rented roles. My purpose is to inspire others and to make positive impact. And so the way in which you navigate adversity is first, please know that it's important to be your unapologetic self and know that your voice is necessary and required and know that you are enough. Because so many times you may be in a room where there is no one who looks like you or no one who has your story and you have to tell yourself. That you are enough and put those mental gymnastics to the side, like not today. And when you are going through some of that adversity, you have to go back to who you are and what your majors are and your majors are your ownable assets. You have to know that maybe I'm struggling in this job, but I am smart. Maybe this job may not be the best role for me, but it does not mean that I am not talented in my own right. Sometimes I'm in a role where my major is now my minor and I need to find that role that plays to my strength, Or maybe I need to stick with it so that I can really put my grit on display, that I can really navigate and get to the other side and have a little bit more sharpness in my toolkit because it's preparing me for a bigger role that will have even bigger adversity for me to have to navigate through. So my point is, don't dim your light. Keep your confidence. You have to hold tight to your confidence and know that you are enough. And you have to do the work. And when you're dealing with adversity, sometimes you just have to take a deep breath and go, all right, this is my season, but I'm going to get through it, you know, and I'm going to be okay asking for help. I'm going to be okay saying, all right, team, I, you know, I need some help on this, or I have to be honest with myself and say, you know what, this is not working for me. And I may need to navigate out and the adversity may be part of the process of me getting set up for a new opportunity. And I needed to go through this adversity in order for me to get uncomfortable. Because sometimes we stay in roles too long and you need something to get you uncomfortable so that you can truly move into that next season that's ready for you. And you wouldn't know that if you weren't going through some adversity. I yeah. hope that makes sense. And I no, hope it's it, it
0: does make sense because it's all about growth. What I'm getting yeah. from that is growth. You can't stay stagnant if you really want to grow, right? You got to be able to no. move out and you have to be able to to be in spaces that make you uncomfortable. Let me tell you, I I had just said earlier today to a friend, I was like, oh my God, over the past three months, I have been the most uncomfortable <laughs> I have ever been in my life because of yes. growth. I'm doing things. I am going places that I have never really done or gone before. And it scares me, but I can see the growth in it.
1: You know what I love about what you just, you know, pressure makes diamonds, mm. right? <laughs> yeah, When we Sometimes are at our low and the pandemic and the social unrest. I mean, I think all of us have hit some low moments. I know I have, where I had to be okay. It's okay to not be okay. Had to just really sit in it for a little bit. But the beautiful thing is by going through all of that, like you said, I'm reflecting and I'm like, wow, I've learned more about me. Mm -hmm. I have clarity on some of the things that I was seeking clarity for because I had to sit in a space that made me really uncomfortable. And a fire has been lit, you know? So when you're sitting in some of these uncomfortable moments or adversity, sometimes it's that pressure that's building to allow you to make diamonds out of your life. Mm-hmm. And so if you, with that headset, you'll, you'll take a different position when you're dealing with these tough moments in your life, whatever that is. And we all, especially during this pandemic, have gone through some pretty tough moments. But I think, you know, when you get to the other end of the, those moments, those journeys, those struggles, most times you're able to say, you know what, I'm so glad I went through that because this next problem, I'm better equipped to deal with it and the stakes are even higher because I went through something last year or two years ago or five years ago. It goes back to knowing about financial health insecurities. I wouldn't trade a thing because going through all of that as a child has enabled me to have this fire in my belly when it comes to financial health. And had I not gone through that adversity, I may not be as proximate to how important these conversations are. Mm. You did not I look, give me a mm, mm, I, mm. I, Look, I had, a to, I had to- a grandmother right you, there, you, you know I
0: had to go back to my grandma. I, I spent a lot of time with my grandma. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's so Love true. It. it is so true. Before we end, you've already given so much, just a, a mountain of advice. But what lasting advice would you either give to people who are in leadership or trying to grow into leadership or just trying to get through another day?
1: Well, you know what I really want to say? And- I know because you are this amazing journalist, you, you will know this because I've said this. You have one life. And what I would say to everyone is write down everything that matters to you. And for me, that's being a mother, an activist, an executive, a sister, a friend, a daughter, all the things that matter to you and then allocate. Because the reality is you only have 100%. You do not have 150. And I like to tell people sometimes the S on the chest, we say a superwoman, but sometimes it just means spin. So you have to write down everything that matters to you and then allocate your time. And the reason why I think that is so important is if you live your life like a diversified portfolio, which is writing everything that matters to you and allocate, here's what will happen. You will go through some highs and lows, just like in a financial portfolio, you have volatility in the market. But if you're living your life like a diversified portfolio, you will give yourself permission to recalibrate. Mm -hmm. Because you are responding to the market or to life. And so when my father got sick, I had to reallocate my time. When I had to prepare for earnings, I have to allocate my time more to work. But I'm giving myself permission. And here is the point, Kenny. If you live your life like a diversified portfolio, then everything that matters to you is in it which means over time you will outperform this thing called life. So I know that there are moments when I'm really knee deep in work. I may not feel like I'm as great of a mom, Mm -hmm. but I know over time I'm a really good mother. Or maybe I'm dealing with some adversity at work and I'm not feeling like I'm that great executive for my team. But over time, I know I'm a really good leader. I may not be in certain seasons the best friend to my girlfriend, but I know I'm a good friend because they're in my portfolio. And I just think that's so important, especially when we're navigating an environment like this where people have had to recalibrate and they may have to take on a second job or they may have had to spend more time helping their kids learn something and they don't feel like they're that smart but you got this put it in your portfolio adapt to life's conditions and just know it's your life and if everything matters to you in your portfolio over time you'll outperform this thing called life
0: If I could drop the mic right now, I would drop it, but it's on a stand.
1: (laughs) Don't drop it. Don't do it.
0: (laughs) That was great. A very special thanks to my guests for joining me today. You can find more information about this interview on my website at KennyJToday.com. Also, don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. If you're looking for more money advice, visit BetterMoneyGoals.com. It's a personal finance website that provides great tips and tricks on how to maximize your money because the truth is we only live once. Why not live well?